there's a lot to learn from Jesus because there is a lot to learn from Jesus. And, you know, this is a year end. This is our last study of the year. And I'm really uh, excited to see what God does in this coming year. So I'm really seeking to learn from Jesus through the, throughout this year. But here in the passage, it starts, Now it came to pass as he... Jesus was praying in a certain place when he had ceased that one, of, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So here are a few points here that we could take from this text. Number one, we we need to be like this disciple. It's neat that this disciple came... And here he asks the Lord to teach him. And, you know, there is no greater joy than to have somebody say, hey, I want to learn for a teacher. Somebody to come up to you and say, I want to be discipled. I want to I learn. And that should be our hearts as Christians. You see, we need to be like this disciple here and ask the Lord to teach us daily. That's why... We encourage you, church, to be in the Word every day. That should be our primary goal before our feet hit the ground, to be in God's Word, that God would teach us. But here, it says, our Father. And I like what Pastor Chuck said about this part here in the text. He says, prayer always begins with a relationship. The Father's ear is always open to the children's cry. We need to remember as Christians who we're speaking to when we come to the Lord. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now, man, he's able. So we're approaching him with a teachable heart. We're approaching him as a father. But we have to ask ourselves that question. Do I have that relationship with God? You know, because even though he is God, he could be God, but he could be distant. Is he like my father? Am I, am I having a relationship with him? Am I talking to him daily? Am I bringing my needs to him? Because we could go through the motions of church or knowing that there's a creator without even having a relationship with him. And that is very, uh, it's going to be bad on the day of judgment. But it says that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So do I have a relationship with him? Is he my father? That is probably the most important question you need to ask yourself this evening. You see, a relationship with God starts with reconciliation. 
Reconciliation, first we simply need to realize that we're sinners. We're morally imperfect. And we need to make things right with God. We need to ask Him to forgive us. Making things right with God. See, a lot of people have an idea of making things right with God by works or deeds. But here's the thing. We cannot work, nor can our human deeds ever get us to the point where we're right with God. There's no amount of, of praying or doing or, or, or serving that can make me to a place where I am right with God. See, we have to understand that. I can't make myself right with God by human means or works or duties. We need to get right with God simply by putting our faith and trust in the finished work of the cross. Listen to Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8. It says, when we were utterly helpless, I'm reading the New Living Translation for clarity. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Sinners simply means missing the mark. Now, most people would be willing to die for an upright person. Though some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right with God in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from, the, from God's condemnation. For since our relationship with God was restored by the death of His Son, and while we were still sin, sin, while we were still enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. So, salvation we can only get right with God through the blood of Jesus. So, as Christians, we look back to the cross. You know, works can't save us. Only the blood of Jesus can save us, and having a relationship with Him. So. Through repentance and faith in Christ, we become born again, children of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, and also John chapter 3 talks about this. But we approach God as our Father. But we need to approach Him with humility and reverence. It says right here, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Uh, when I, I, I come to God as my Father, but I, I have to do it reverently. I have to be respectful knowing that he's God. He's my, he's my father and I love him and he knows all things. So I must approach him with reverence. But here it says your kingdom come and your will be done. And we need as Christians we need to learn to depend on our father's all knowing wisdom for our lives. You know he knows all things. You know here we have come to him as our father. We're, we're reverent to him. And it says, your kingdom come, your will be done. And I, I think this is very hard for us to grasp sometimes. We need to learn to put our faith and trust in His wisdom for our lives. By seeking Him daily. And His will to be done in our lives. We, we have to remember to trust Him. And that, as that saying goes, Father knows best. Father knows best. He knows best. And what is neat about the Lord, He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. 
and the next day in the future. He knows what, what's going to happen. So that's why I want to have a relationship with him. Why? Because he's going to give me the wisdom I need for tomorrow. He's going to give me all that I, I'm going to experience. All the people he's going to bring in my life. I want to be well prepared. So we want to come to him reverently and as a father and to trust him. So that's why I encourage you in the morning, seek him, pray, and uh, ask for wisdom and guidance because you don't know what's going to happen that day, but your father does. And it's good to be in tune with your father so that he can prepare you for whatever you face throughout your day. But here it says, give us this day, our day by day, our daily bread. So number five, we should be pray and be grateful for our Father meeting our daily needs and necessities. But also that He would bless what we have. He would bless what we have. Number six, it says here, Jesus taught us to ask for forgiveness of our sins. And here is, this is very important as Christians. We need to be sensitive to our consciences and the conviction of sin when we err. When we do something wrong, we need to be convicted. We need to be sensitive and we need to get right. You see, a thief is a thief before he takes the object. A thief is a thief before he takes the object because it started in here. And a lot of times, you know, we start to think evil thoughts or sinful thoughts. And we need to be sensitive to that area and ask the Lord to help us to overcome those things in here be, before they manifest themselves outwardly in our actions. So Jesus taught us to ask for forgiveness of sins. So we need to ask the Lord or to be sensitive to conviction of sin, but we need to ask the Lord for forgiveness and mercy but also that we would forgive others here, he says, that are indebted to us. And I really believe that a lot of people have a hard time with this. You know, I, I got forgiveness from God, but you know what? I, can't, I just can't forgive that person. You know, we, we struggle with this. And Jesus knows. But here it's very important that we have the heart of our Father. The Father forgave us of our sins. And there are many. And he expects us as Christians to forgive others. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 23 through 35, Jesus told a story about this particular thing. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. In other words, his servants owed him. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded him to be sold with his wife and his children and all he had, and that payment be made. And the servant fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him his debt. You see, that's us. The master is God. He's forgiven us of our sins. But you see, he was moved with compassion. He released him and he forgave him his debt. 
But the servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid his hands on him and he took him by the throat saying, pay me all that you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet just like he did. And he begged him. He said, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not. But he went and he threw him into prison till he pay his debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were all grieved. And they came and they told their master all that had been done. Then the master afterwards, he called him and he said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant? Just as I had had pity on you. And his master was angry. And he delivered him to the torturers till he pay all that was due him. So, Jesus said, so my heavenly father will do also, will also do to you. If each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother's trespass. That's pretty heavy. That's a pretty heavy story because Jesus here is telling us, for, ask for forgiveness. But he's also telling us to forgive others. And it's hard to do. But we should be like our Father. Extending forgiveness and mercy to those who have offended us. And if you struggle in that area of forgiveness. I want to encourage you to pray. And ask the Holy Spirit to help you in that area. That you would have the heart of Christ. Because the Bible says that God demonstrated His love for us while, he, while we were yet sinners. We didn't deserve forgiveness. We didn't even ask forgiveness. He died for our sins. He was ready to forgive us. So we need to pray for the power of the Holy Spirit in that area to be like our Father and have forgiving hearts. But here the seventh point here is, is Jesus says, do not lead us into temptation. And that should be our prayer. But as Christians, don't set yourself up for failure. Don't set yourself up for failure. Don't go to places where you shouldn't go. Don't do the things that you should, you know that are going to stumble you. And number eight, pray that you would flee and overcome temptation by the power of your whole, the Holy Spirit. We need to pray. Lord, Help me to overcome temptation with the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. And lastly, here in this part of the text, he says, deliver us from the evil one. You see, we need to pray as Christians for divine protection and discernment from the evil one. Remember, it was the subtle words of the serpent in the, in the garden that caused Eve to stumble and caused all these problems for us. It was a subtle, whispering, sneaky snake. So we need to pray for God's divine protection and discernment to overcome the evil one. But here in verses uh, 5 through 13, Jesus continues on the topic of prayer, giving the disciples two examples here. And in the first, he's teaching persistence in prayer. He said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come in, come from a long journey 
and he has not, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer and say within himself or within his room and say, do not trouble me. The door is shut and my children are asleep. I cannot rise and give it to you. And I say, though he will not rise and give it to you because he is your friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Now, I'm not suggesting you go to your friend's house at midnight and, and ask him for something. But, but what here Jesus is teaching us on is persistence. Persistence in prayer. Yeah, I need to ask continually for those things that I struggle with. The things that I need. The things that uh, he knows I need. But awesome words of Jesus here in verse 9. As Jesus tells us, so I say to you, ask. As he was talking about persistence here. Ask me and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. So Jesus is saying, knock. Seek, find. Be persistent. Come, come to me continually and ask for these things. We have the second example here in verses 11 through 13. And Jesus says, If a son asks you for bread, if a son asks for bread from a father among you, will he give you a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give you a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, in the second example, really prayer should be a part of our, our daily life. Prayer should be offered as here Jesus is teaching us, it should be offered persistently with passionate effort. We need to get God involved in our life. You know, and that's, it's not just waking up and having a prayer time. Yes, you should have a prayer time. You should pray for when you have your meals and, and all those things before you go to bed. But get in, God involved in daily things, every aspect of your life. You know, you're having a hard time with your coworker. You're having a hard time with your boss. You're struggling in, in traffic. You have marital problems. You have chi- you're, you're concerned for your children. You know, you're stressed. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You're in fear. You know, all these things you could come to the Lord for with. Get Him involved in every aspect of your life. Because I really believe the Lord is the last that we go to. We, we often ask our friends. We even ask them. Hey can you pray for me? And we don't pray. But. The Lord should be part of every. Part of our life. But Jesus said ask. And it will be given to you. Church are you asking? He said seek and you will find. But are you seeking him? He said knock and it will be open. Knock. Here speaks of effort. How much effort do I put into prayer? 
And here in this second example, Jesus likens prayer as a child comes and approaches a loving parent. And a parent always considers the best interests of their child. The parent always wants to meet the needs, but not necessarily their wants. So we need to approach the Lord like that and know that he always has our best interests in mind. So he's never going to steer me wrong. So if I'm asking for wisdom, he's going to give me the wisdom. If I'm asking for direction, he's going to give me the right direction. If, if I, I need certain help, he's going to give me what I need. But he says, seek. But he says, ask. He says, knock. You see, a parent delights in giving, giving good gifts to their children. But here, God's concern and his gift that he offers to his children are far beyond what any of us as parents could give to our children. See, God wants to give us so much. And Jesus said here, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You see, the Father wants to endow you with the gift of the Holy Spirit, church. So have you asked to be endowed with the Holy Spirit? This gift only comes to those who ask. Are you asking? Are you seeking that gift that your heavenly Father wants to give you? By faith, go to Him in prayer. Be like a child, persistently asking, persistently seeking, persistently knocking. Go to Him by faith, for He is able to do and go with expectations to God. I I really believe a lot of times we go to prayer without any expectation that He's going to do it, that He's going to complete it. The Bible tells us that we're to go to God in faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So seek Him. It says, by faith, he who comes to God must believe that He is able and He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So here the scriptures over and over are saying, knock, ask, come to me in faith, be persistent. I'm able to do more than you can ask or think. But here in verses 14 through 26, we have a bit of a transition. It says, and he, Jesus, was casting out a demon and it was mute. So it was when the demon had gone out that the mute spoke. And the multitudes marveled. But some of them said he cast out demons by Beelzebub, the leader of the demons. Others testing him, sought from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom against itself is brought to desolation. And a house divided against itself falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebub, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. 
And then he goes on to explain. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace or place, and his goods are in peace. But when a stranger, when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. He who is not with me, Jesus says, is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. And when an unclean spirit goes out of a man and he goes through the dry places seeking rest and finding none, he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put into order. And, and then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. So, here Jesus just demonstrated he has the power over demons. He heals this uh, demon-possessed man. But as they did with Jesus, they will do with you. He was doing something good, and they, they here they called good evil and evil good. You see, here they tested Jesus. And be sure they will test you. You see, they were blind that they, they actually avoided the actual evidence that was right in front of them. Here they had a, this, this demon-possessed guy was, couldn't speak and he wasn't in his right mind. And here the evidence of the Lord's power was right in front of them. And they avoided that actual evidence. See, this man was in, right, in his right mind. He was mute, but he now spoke. He was touched and transformed by Jesus. But it's common that people will ignore a changed life while asking to be entertained by some mystical sign. You know, I, I've heard it before where people just say, man, if I only could see things, if I only could see miracles, if I could only do this. But... During the time of Jesus, he did so many miracles. And still, they didn't believe. So it's not about the miracles. The people will ignore the works, the mighty works of a changed life in a person. They'll say, I can't believe. But Jesus here tells us in Scripture what the reasons for people's unbelief is. A lot of people will say, well, I don't believe because of this. I don't believe because of that. And it's common. But Jesus gives us the real reason for unbelief. That people don't want to believe in God. In John chapter 3 and verse 19. It says this is the condemnation. That the light Jesus has come into the world. And men have loved darkness rather than lights. Because their deeds are evil. They rather do their evil deeds. And they don't want to account for the Lord. So they will keep ignoring Jesus. But we need to remember, here in the text it says, Jesus knew their thoughts. He knew their thoughts. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He knows my thoughts. So we have to take that in, into consideration. Jesus knows my thoughts. But He also knows those who trouble us. He knows those people that we have difficulties with. But we come to the Lord with those things and 
We come to him because he has a positional advantage. He knows them. So dealing with difficult people, I need to go to the Lord because he has that positional advantage. He knows their thoughts. So I want to be in tune with God so that he could speak to me and help me in these kind of situations. But also look at his example here. Jesus was wasn't rattled. He handled this difficult situation. And we need to pray like Jesus when we face difficult people. We should be asking for wisdom and discernment and for composure and a a good demeanor in a difficult situation. Because a lot of times when we face difficulties as Christians or somebody's questioning our faith, all of a sudden we get emotional and and, then we start going back and forth and it doesn't do anything good. But here Jesus was very very composed in his demeanor. And he handled the situation and the conversation very well. And here too, we as Christians should pray to be like Jesus when we have these difficult conversations regarding our faith. Or we feel attacked or we feel tested in our faith. But we got to remember who's on our side. The Lord. But he said every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and the house divided against itself falls. Here Jesus is making a point that he's the authority and the power over all creation of both the unseen and the seen world. He is the ultimate power. Jesus has the power he's god he's god so i want to go to him in power in ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 20 uh, we do have a spiritual opposition and it says that we have we fight we don't fight against flesh and blood but against principalities powers against the rulers of darkness in this age and spiritual host of wickedness that's what we're dealing with But we can't see it. But I really need to be equipped and in tune with God who has all the power and authority to equip my life and to help me. But God wants to help us and equip us with spiritual giftings and power to overcome. But He still expects us to do things. In verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 6, He says, Therefore, take the whole armor of God that you may... Be able to withstand in the evil day and having all to do to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with the truth. What's the truth? The word of God. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Having shrouded your feet with the preparation of the gospel. And above all, taking the shield of faith. Your faith in God. Which, is, which will enable you to quench the fiery, fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplications for the saints. In other words, we need to start praying for each other because there's a spiritual battle. There's a spiritual battle that we don't see. So we need to be aware that there is spiritual opposition, yet we know who the authority we know who's stronger 
And Jesus is using this example of a strong man guarding his house, but a stronger man comes in and just, just uh, takes everything he's trusted in. And that's God. He's stronger. There's no one stronger. So, but as we as Christians, we really need to take heed when it comes to the area of division. As Jesus talks about division here, a house divided will fall. As Christians, the enemy does want to cause division in the church. And he will use several things to get us as Christians in fighting. I listed a couple things. Number one, he will use political ideology. He will set the red people against the blue people. Number two, he will use class envy. He will set the rich against the poor. Number three, he will race bait and try to get us all to think we're better than each other or we're divide. He tried to divide us by race. But we see in Acts chapter 17 that we're all one. We're all children of Adam. We come from one race. We're created in the likeness of man. Number four, he will use things to divide us. The, the vaccinated people from the unvaccinated people. Causing divisions in the church. And he will even use gender gaps to divide us from each other. Dividing the old people from the young people. The enemy is, is crafty. So be careful of, of division, Christians. As Jesus said, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And a house divided against itself falls. As Christians... The Lord expects us to walk worthy. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. I got a couple points from here. As Christians, we're called to walk worthy of our calling in which we were called. So we should ask the Lord, is there any areas in my life where I'm not walking worthy? Are there any behaviors that I'm not becoming, Lord, that are not, that are not glorifying you, Lord? And ask for help in those areas. Number, number two, as Christians, we're to, we're to love God wholeheartedly. Love Him wholeheartedly and love each other. Stay humble. As Paul said, with all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. We need to bear with one another. Sometimes I don't want to deal with that person. I don't like that person. It says long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, being diligent, to strive, Paul said, to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of, peace, bond of peace until Jesus comes back. You know, we're to do everything to make peace and work together in, in, to be united. Jesus said, he who does not gather with me scatters. So if I'm causing division, I'm, I'm causing separation scattering but as christians we're called to be united and the power of the lord and his kingdom is unmatched and jesus said that he would empower his people with the holy spirit that they would be good witnesses in acts chapter 1 verse 8 he promised us promised to empower us but we still as christians need to safeguard and protect those things in our hearts, in our lives, and those people that God has put in our care. We need to guard our hearts and minds. In 
And this hit home for me today as I was thinking. I need to guard my... Christians, we need to guard our heart and mind. You at home, you need to guard your heart and mind. You know, I was reading, I'm praying to be sensitive to the Lord. And I was reading Hebrews chapter 3 this morning. And here's what the Lord says to Christians. Beware, brethren. He's speaking in the church. At least any of you, any of you of an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Wow. Father, I, I pray that I, I wouldn't depart. I need to guard my heart. I need to guard my mind. And that really hit home this morning. Because the, the enemy wants to rob, kill, and destroy. And he knows his time is, is short. So as Christians, we're to, remain, we're, we're to remain in a position with Christ. So make sure you're on the same team. That you're gathering. What are you doing to gathering? You know, I, I thank the Lord for people give tithes and they offer their service. That's part of gathering. You're, you're gathering the body. You're helping in, in the body of Christ. And you're also following instructions, living by his word. Jesus said, he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. So I need to pray, Lord, I want to be a gatherer. Help me in the body of Christ. Christian, each one of you individually are important and are valuable. We need to pray, Lord, help me to be a gatherer. What do you want me to do? You know, invite people to church. Pass out bulletins, be an usher, you know, be a part of the worship team. I want to be part of what you're doing, Lord. So make sure you're a gatherer and not a scatter in the house of God in, in, the, in the church family. But a point here is abide in your relationship with Christ. Be cleansed. We need to abide in our relationship with Christ. We need to be cleansed. And full of the word and the Holy Spirit. Because the enemy would love to see you guys hopeless, lost, and destroyed. Revelations chapter 12 and verse 12 says uh, that the devil is coming down with great wrath. Why? Because he knows his time is short. So, you know, he's going to cause, he wants us to stumble. And so spiritually, we need to be in tune with God and ready um, for the war a spiritual war verse 27 through 28 and it happened as he spoke jesus spoke these things that a certain woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that nursed you but he said more than that blessed are those who hear the word of god and keep it so it says and it happened it happened. I, I really believe that this is in here for a good reason. And it happened. As the woman calls out, Jesus makes here a correction. But he did it with the right tack and the right demeanor. You see, Jesus did that for every situation. Here, the correction is different than his approach with, with the religious ru rulers uh, that he was dealing with earlier. It was more uh, gentle. And whenever you see Jesus correcting people, uh, because there is, we need to worship God in spirit and in truth. Okay? Not everybody, you know, a lot of people believe in Jesus, 
but not necessarily the right Jesus. There are different Jesuses. Okay, we believe in the Jesus of the Bible. Okay, the Jesus of the Bible is a different Jesus than the Jesus that Islam believes in. Jesus of the Bible is a different Jesus than the Mormons believe in. Jesus of the Bible is a different Jesus than the Jehovah Witnesses believe in. So, we have to make a distinction. We always go back to the Word, and Jesus goes back to the Word as the main source of truth. But here we can learn from the situation in these two little verses. And my prayer is that we would be more like Jesus when these things come up. Because a lot of times people will talk to us and they have a a view about God that's wrong. And here this woman had a view about about Jesus that was wrong in a sense. But he corrected her, but not in a way where he put her down. Because some of the things that she said were, were kind of correct. But Jesus here uses the word of, word of God as a main source of truth. So what's the problem? What's the problem here? The woman called out in the crowd. She raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that nursed you. You know, she caught, caught up and, you know, look what just happened. She just, he just got done talking and, and, and teaching on prayer and then he heals a, a man that was demon-possessed. And, you know, he goes, he starts sharing. And so she was excited. And she calls out from the crowd. And she said, she said, blessed is the womb who bore you and the breasts that nurse you. She got caught in the moment, caught up in the moment. And sometimes, too, we can get caught up in our emotions and spiritual things. But here the lady's intentions were not bad. But she was wrong in elevating. Here's the problem. She was elevating Mary as a source of the Lord's power, wisdom, and grace. She was pointing to his his parental nurturing by Mary as the main source of what the people were witnessing and experiencing. So here Jesus makes a correction. She was off track. But while he made the correction, Jesus also here gives us the recipe For us to have a truly blessed life. Here the woman's misspoken words are actually a blessing to us as a church. As we read. And as those in the audience that day. Just like that scene scene there in that moment. While having this uh, spiritual experience. She was prompted to do this. And as she did. She was caught up in her words and her emotions and, and, and the experience of, of what Jesus was doing. But here, yes, the Bible does tell us that, tells us that Mary was a blessing to the Lord and that she was a very godly woman. But here in verse 28, Jesus points to those who are truly blessed beyond the miracle of the virgin birth. He said, more than that, more than that. This is more important than that. He said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Man, you want to be blessed? Read the word of God, keep it. Hear the word of God and keep it. And you will be truly super blessed. 
So number one, lastly in closing, be teachable. Be a student. Every morning, show up. Learn from the Lord. Number two, pray reverently and in that relationship. Cultivate that relationship with the Lord. You need to have a relationship with the Lord. Number three, pray persistently. Start your day by praying persistently. Pray about the things that you're going to experience. The traffic, you know, work, coworkers, you know, deadlines, you know, bring all, get God involved. Number four, stay on the same team. Stay on the same team because it's so easy to get off track. And number five, be blessed. Hear the word of God and keep it. A historian named Kenneth Scott uh, Latore said, the world, speaking of Jesus, the centuries pass, the evidence is accumulating that measured by the effect on history, Jesus is the most influential life that ever lived on this planet. Jesus is the most influential life that ever lived on this planet. And you see, he wants to influence you in the morning. Seek him. Knock. Have that relationship with him. Ask for wisdom. Ask for direction. He said, seek, knock. And I want to encourage you as the 2021 comes to work together. Be on the same team. Pray about gathering. You know, we we want to do a lot of neat things this coming year. So pray that what we do is directed by God, blessed by God, that He does the work of His Spirit in the workers, and that the fruit of all the things that we do in 2021 would glorify God. I don't want to live these last days in meager resources or in the power of the flesh. I want to pray for the, for the gift of the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we have the children's ministry. He's going to do some new, new things. The ladies' ministry. Um, we're going to start up something with the youth coming up. Uh, we already have a, a, a meeting plan to start doing things with the youth. And the men's studies are going to start. So uh, let's, let's pray. Father, we love you, and I thank you, Father, for uh, this, your word. You have a lot to teach us here in the text, Lord. Father, most importantly, you said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Father, we pray, Lord, that we would be your children, teachable, persistent, coming to you with all our cares and our difficulties, watching you with great expectancy and witnessing the work of your spirit like those witness a changed life. We want to see changed lives, Lord. We want to see transformed lives here in the church, Lord. We, want, we need your help in our daily situations with our, with our families and our, our work, our co-workers and, and those uh, we deal with on a regular basis, Father. So, Father, bless your people more than they can ask or think. And, Father, as we close this year, we pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to work in us. Do a a work, a supernatural work of your Holy Spirit in and through us as we prepare for the new year. We love you, Father. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
All right, so a lot of people praying praying tonight and tomorrow, I hope. So uh, a couple announcements before uh, we close out the year with a song of worship. The children's ministry is having a meeting on January 9th after second service. So if the Lord is, if you're serving in the children's ministry or the Lord's put it in your heart to serve, uh, we have a meeting January 9th, Sunday after second service. 